This is Tim Staten with Tim Stating the Obvious. What is this podcast about? It's simple. You are entitled to great leadership everywhere you go, whether it's to church, whether it's to work, whether it's at your house, you are entitled to great leadership. And so in this podcast, we take leadership principles and theories and turn them into everyday relatable and usable advice. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Tim Stating the Obvious. In our last episode, we talked about having a positive and growth mindset. In this episode, we're going to be talking about what I label as Category 2. Category 2 Category two is having higher order thinking skills like innovation, critical thinking, and problem solving. In educational environments, this is called like Bloom's Taxonomy, right? So I've done a, an entire episode on Bloom's Taxonomy in season one about two years ago. If you haven't listened to that one, it's a good episode for even more background information. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to apply it in the organization you work for. Depending on which level you work, your supervisors and bosses expect you to operate and think at a certain level. As leaders, we always need to operate in layers 5 to 7 range. This is the analysis, synthesis, and evaluation range. In recent years, this method has changed to analyze, evaluate, and create, but we need to have to explain some of the differences in these here. First, in order to operate in the analyze realm, this is assuming that you have a foundational knowledge of your required skill set and that you know how to apply it in any situation. This is a huge assumption that leaders or managers make. I mean, think about that for a moment. Let's say that you're a graphic designer by trade. The initial assumptions your leadership will make about you is that you already have mastered your trade and how you can apply these skills with a client-based and on their end, the customer-based experiences. Or another example is that an organization hired you on as a team lead for a project. They made the same baseline assumptions. However, they will require you to make, defend, justify, critique, and weigh options when leading the team to make informed recommendations or decisions. Sometimes we are not creating but making options available so our leadership can evaluate the process or a project to make decisions, which is their creation zone. These examples are the reasons I use both models because while some organizations require us to create an option, others require require synthesis and information to help drive decisions. Many times during my initial sessions uh, with folks that I work with on my teams, I explain this model and highlight where I expect each and every one of them to operate. This way there are no assumptions of what is expected. And then I let them know right off the bat my assumptions of them is already high. So how does Bloom's taxonomy lead to innovation? It's pretty simple. If you operate near the apex at the top of the pyramid, then you are in the evaluation and creation realm. I add another layer to this pyramid that is in that is the innovation realm. We don't need to be creating for the sake of creating. We need to evaluate them and see how we can do it better. We define innovation as making an idea or an invention into a good or services that creates value uh, for the customers who they're willing to pay for. In order to do this, you have to have a full understanding of your organization, your customer, and constantly analyze, synthesize, and evaluate. If you work for a battery company, you know how can you make a battery life longer and more efficient? I was looking into electric vehicles this past weekend and gas, you know, as gas prices are soaring and, you know, found that maintenance on the electrical vehicle uh, may be less costly initially, but 
If you had to replace the battery, you're looking at $5,000 to $10,000, which is the equivalent to replacing the transmission on traditional fuel vehicles. So innovating battery life and reducing costs, which make it better, would provide significant value to the customer. Just something to think about as you go out. You need to be thinking about what value are you creating to deliver? You know, it's something that I often think about. Um, I'm constantly asking myself, uh, you know, during my normal job, is my team relevant? Does my team deliver value to the organization? You know, higher levels of thinking gets you thinking critically about what you're doing and your actions. So not to confuse higher levels of thinking with critical thinking. Critical thinking is about what, about the way we think and how we think. Confusing, right? But not really. We have to purposely think about why we are thinking and why we need to know uh, the problem or what the issue is. This is where Bloom's taxonomy comes in. You know, as we need to gather the information, data, and facts, then we need to interpret and draw conclusions based on our experiences, theories, and concepts that exist. And then we need to acknowledge our own biases and assumptions that we may have. And, you know, then what are the possible outcomes and the implications and consequences of our thinking? You know, what are the second and third order uh, consequences of those different things as we think about what we're thinking about, right? So hopefully, you know, you're still here. You're not completely lost because uh, this can get kind of confusing. But to put this into action, you know, let's think about like werewolves. First, we need to think if they exist or not. And that is why the purpose that we're talking about them. You know, the problem or issue is that if werewolves existed, then, you know, there could be a danger presented to people. That is a bias that I have on one of my presuppositions or assumptions that werewolves are dangerous to people. But I need to acknowledge that fact that I may have a negative bias against werewolves. So now, what are the facts that we know about werewolves, right? Well, I know little about them, really. Um, I've, I've heard that uh, they come out at a full moon. So once a month, werewolves transform. I haven't heard of anyone who was attacked by a werewolf in the last month. So maybe werewolves don't present a danger to people or maybe they don't even exist. You know, I heard that werewolves have a severe allergy to allergy to silver. So if you shoot them with a, with a silver bullet or put a silver or put silver on their skin, you know, that could hurt them. But I know some people with a silver skin irritation. So does that mean that there may be werewolf in human form or do they just have an allergy? You know, so if we intentionally give someone something that could hurt them and knowing that they have an allergy could put that person at risk or possibly injure them or cause a death. So maybe actually humans present a danger to werewolves and my negative, my negative bias towards them is hindering me from seeing that I could actually be a danger to werewolves if werewolves existed. Right? And this could go on and on and on. But you can see that we are intentionally thinking about what, we're th what we think we know and questioning what we think we know. So the best quote that comes to mind about thinking critically comes from the late Donald Rumsfeld, in which he said, because as we know, there are known knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That's to say, we know there are some things that we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns that those are the things that we don't know we don't know. But don't get bogged down by your thinking. You know, please attempt 
to just think and think critically because this leads to the pro this leads to problem solving you know critical thinking leads to problem solving so um as we build this out um i formatted it this way on purpose so we talked about bloom's taxonomy which is the hierarchy of thinking we start out the foundational levels and we work our way up to critical thinking synthesis evaluation and recommendation areas then we talked about critical thinking uh you know how to think about our thinking questioning our biases questioning our thoughts and really thinking with a purpose instead of just blindly thinking, you know, what are the second and third order consequences that come with all of these things? And so those two things help us lead to problem solving. Now, there are many models and theories for problem solving, but let's break it down to its core functions, which are identifying that there is a problem and we need to define it. Then we need to gather all the information about the problems. You know, what are the data and facts surrounding that problem? Then we need to come up with solutions to solve it. We need to evaluate them out, you know, which is the best one. Pick one, test it out, and evaluate it. And if we need to make some changes, we reassess and make changes as necessary. You know, that's the basics of problem solving. This sounds so simple and obvious, but, you know, I'm dumbfounded uh, when we struggle with these skills every day. I mean, we do it every day with simple things like with what to wear, what to eat, what to do for entertainment. But when asked to identify a problem in the workplace, we have a ton, you know, of people, we have a ton of answers for identifying what the problem is, but almost zero solutions offered to help solve them. So one technique I use at work, uh, they come to me with a problem. And then what I do is I ask them to clarify you know, what they think the problem is, and then come back to me after they think about it for a minute. Then once they come back with it, you know, and I ask them, you know, hey, what are your supporting facts and information that helps you understand that this is actually the problem? Then they do a little bit of more research and they come back and they're all excited that they have the answers to prove that they were right in the first place, that there is the problem. You know, then I hit them with the famous question, you know, if you were king for one day in this organization, what would you do about it? Every time, and I mean every single time, I get the deer in the headlight look. You know, they just they just stare at me with the look of, what do you mean? What do you mean what I would do about it? I don't know. Then I ask them to think about, you know, what they would do to solve the problem and to go come up with some solutions. They go away for a lot longer period of time and come up with solutions. Then they come back with a couple recommendations. And, you know, depending on the level of severity of the problem, I say, well, why don't you pick one and see how it works out? And then we'll come back and reassess in like a week or two weeks or even 30 days and see how that went. I do this because it helps people getting into the mindset of if I identify a problem, I am part of the solution, right? So it puts some onus and accountability back on that person who identified the problem. And then it empowers that person to, you know, understand that, hey, they could have an impact in the organization and that because they're closest to the problem, they can offer up some really good insights and recommendations on how to solve it. And I do this also because how do you improve judgment, right? You get good judgment from having lots of bad judgment and you made mistakes and hopefully you've learned from them. So how do you get better at problem solving? You have to solve problems and you're going to make mistakes in the process of solving those problems. But hopefully, you know, you get over it, you learn from your mistakes and you get better at making uh, recommendations and you get better at solving problems. You know, it's a continuous process. So here's the truth about what your leadership expects from you. If there's a problem and you identify a problem, 
It's that you have a recommendation and solutions to solve that problem if you can't do it yourself. And that's where, you know, leaders always put that accountability back on the person um, to help develop them. It's not because, you know, we want to say, oh, well, you know, you you do it. I'm too busy to solve it. No, we want to help develop you. And that's why we give it back to you to help refine your skills. So the life skill development of higher higher order thinking, problem solving, critical thinking, that will always set you apart from your peers in so many ways because if from the start you identify and you make recommendations your leader will think better of you than not coming up with any solutions at all now i am sure there are some micromanagers out there who might get upset with that but a true leader will not get upset that you identified a problem and brought it to their attention and you've thought about it enough to make some good recommendations with some data-driven recommendations to support why you're saying what you're saying. You know, and your leadership will think better of you for doing this. And yet, your leadership has been around longer than you and has probably solved a thousand issues. And they could probably solve a problem if you bring it to them on the spot. But that just makes you a run-of-the-mill employee and, you know, you're, it makes you kind of mediocre and you know, you're not really set apart from anyone else. So why just come up with a problem and make them do it when you could have that life skill yourself, develop yourself in the process and let your leadership know I'm worth investing in. So I have this skill set already. I need you to help me refine it. That's what that really signals to them, you know, and when that signals that to them, they're going to think, hey, this person needs more responsibility. They need more experience. Hey, maybe I need to mentor this person and groom this person to positions that they can move to to affect change. You know, it's just the way that, you know, leaders think. So to sum things up, having higher order thinking skills like innovation, critical thinking, and problem solving will show that you are a value added to the an organization and any organization and that you're worth investing in. As we stated before, life skills and human skills of tomorrow are needed today. They may seem small and insignificant, but we need, but we don't need, you know, AI and software to make our decisions. You know, they can help aid us in coming to a decision, but they're just tools. You know, a person has to program AI and software, so it is flawed by nature. So, you know, you need to take control for yourself and think. In our next episode, we're going to talk about the importance of interpersonal skills. You know, you can also go over to our YouTube and Facebook page to see when we have uploaded uh, the video content for this podcast for the visuals. Uh, If you got some value out of this episode, please share it with one or two people that you think you might like uh, this episode. And don't forget to subscribe or follow and hit that notification icon so you know when we have new content available and ready for you. I really hoped uh, you enjoyed this episode and glad you stopped by to listen to it. I'm Tim Staten, stating the obvious.